Psalm 149. It says, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. Let's say that again together. The Lord taketh pleasure in his people. The Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Salvation is your beauty. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Salvation is your beauty and we are to be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud. Everyone say aloud. Upon their beds. Let, everyone say let, the high praises Look at somebody say, not just any praise. It's not just any praise. If it was just any praise, the Bible would just say some kind of praise. But it doesn't say any type of praise. It says high. It doesn't say low. It says high. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And then after that happens, it says, and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Look at somebody and say, that's all of us in the room. It says, this honor have all his things. What is the honor? To praise God and to let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And it ends, verse 9, it just says simply, praise ye the Lord. Uh, today, I want to talk to us from this title, High Praise for the High Place. High praise for the high place. Let's pr pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word today. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We glorify you. God, I thank you for your spirit here today, the people that have gathered in this place. I'm asking, Lord, that the revelation of your word would go forth and that it would push out any uh, influence that is contrary to your word and your will. I pray that our human spirit would be submitted to your word and would be open to the revelation you desire to give us today. We take authority in this service right now in Jesus' name. And we pray let your will be done today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This chapter is a thorough description of uh, rejoicing in the king. Jesus is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Paul tells us that. He says to sing unto the Lord a new song. And praise in the congregation 
of his saints. That means when the people of God come together, we are to praise him. uh, Because you are the congregation of the saints. They were congregating. And so when we come together, we are to sing unto the Lord a new song. We like the old songs, but we're also to sing a new song. What does that mean? That really means um, that we are to sing about something new God has done in our life recently. I understand the testimony that if he never does anything for me again, I'll still love him. I actually don't know if we truly believe that. Because, uh, you know, we get kind of get caught up and, and we kind of get uh, consumed with certain things. And, and then all of a sudden, we, we forget about everything he has done for us in the past. And it steals our joy and it will steal our worship and our, our prayer and our dedication. And, and that's just not the nature of God anyway. He's our heavenly father and... He didn't die on the cross, and that's all he's ever going to do. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he's always looking to do a new thing through you. He's going to give you a new blessing. He's going to give you new joy. He's going to give you new mercy because the Bible says his mercy is new every morning. So that right there is reason enough to sing a new song daily because daily there is new mercy. Somebody say amen. So we sing unto the Lord a new song because God did something good in our life this week. Somebody in this church today, God did a new thing in you this week. I don't know if you realize it or not, but I hope you do. God is doing a new thing in somebody's life, in somebody's mind, in somebody's family. Oh, yes, he is. Aiden made the decision this week to get baptized in Jesus' name. God is doing a new thing in their family, and it happened this week. We ought to sing praise to the Lord. We ought to offer up praise to God. When we come together, we are to celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Oh, yes, we are to do that. We are to have prophetic vision, seeing into the future. We're not just here to exist in this moment, but yet in your very moment that you are living right now, God is still with you now. He is Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord who is there. Where? In your present. Well, it's dark. Doesn't matter. He's there. You're in a valley. He's there. Scripture says so. Moses entered into the thick darkness, and the Bible says where God was. David went through the valley of the shadow of death, and he feared no evil because he said, The Lord is with me. Not was and not will be. He is with you. So wherever you're at today, whatever situation your life is in right now, I'm here today to tell you that if you're living for God, that if you have a heart to please God, you're striving to follow him. He's with you right there in your present. Yes, he is. Scripture says we are to rejoice in this. Rejoice in him that made him. Let them praise his name. How? In the dance. 
It tells us once again how to praise. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp, cymbals and stringed instruments. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. I think sometimes the reason why we may not praise God the way the Bible tells us to is because we don't believe that God takes pleasure in his people. I want you to know today that it pleases God when you praise him. It pleases God when you pray. It pleases God when his people gather together and they don't allow what they're going through and they don't allow what's going on up in here to steal their praise, to steal their worship. But God sees people that made the decision. I'm going to put off this spirit of heaviness and I'm going to put on the garment of praise and you're going to get joy and peace and, 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 and satisfaction in the presence of God. And it says he takes pleasure in his people and he beautifies the meek with salvation. And the saints, let them be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. And then right here, verse 6, the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written and this honor have all his saints praise ye the Lord we find in the Old Testament story after story when the Israelites were taking new territory in possessing the promised land that time and time again they would invade pagan lands and in in uh, ancient mindsets the highest place in the land would be the sacred place Uh, that's where altars were built to gods and so uh who, whatever altar was built in the high place to whatever God, that land belonged to that God. And so when you read the Old Testament and you read how the Israelites were to invade these lands and conquer the enemy of God's people, the enemies of God, Yahweh, the one true God, The command time and time again was to go to the high place, utterly destroy the altar to that false god, cut down the groves, which were places where very immoral acts were committed as worship to those false gods. And there would be carvings in those trees that were, uh, we'll say, very displeasing to God. And they would cut them down. And ultimately, the Lord said to make that high place bald, strip it down to where there's no influence or resemblance that this place is dedicated to any other God than the one true God. And then the altar that they would build on that high place, Israel was commanded to build an altar, but it wouldn't be a pretty altar. It would just be heaps of stone. And these stones could not be carved with man's hands. Man couldn't put his hands on this altar. He just had to build it. 
and leave it as is. How it looked naturally is how it's supposed to be. That's how God intended it. He didn't want the wisdom of man to, uh, to influence how the altar looked. He didn't want man's opinion to alter the altar. You just build an altar of earth and stone on this stripped down bald high place that once was dedicated to a false god. But now as you take this land, now it's a marker that this now belongs to me. When Israel fell into idolatry and began to worship some of these false gods, that the influence of them plagued Israel all throughout the Old Testament history. When a revival took place in the nation of Israel, the, one of the first commands that would come from the prophet or a godly king that God would raise up in Israel was go up to the high place, tear down every altar of Baal, Asherah, Moloch, of every false god that you have allowed into your promised land, cut down the altars, tear them down, strip the high place, cut down the groves, destroy it completely, and then build an altar, and don't influence it with how you think it ought to look. Just build a heap of stones. That is what God required. We find all throughout Scripture that the high place in ancient times was a hallowed place. It was, um, it was looked upon as, if we get that, this will be dedicated to the God we worship. Man has always sought to go higher. Uh, falling to the influence of the fallen angel Lucifer in the garden. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit they were not supposed to eat of, the knowledge, the, tr the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that act of disobedience, there was pride in them that desired to go beyond what they were created to be. They were not satisfied living in their creative order. I don't want to be this. I want to be something else. As you can see the influence of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil has plagued our world today. It's a, it comes back to a very simple core mindset of humanity. I don't want to be this. I'm going to be something else. I don't want to submit to this authority. I want to do my own thing. But Adam and Eve were not the first to feel this way. It was Lucifer, the fallen angel, who we now know as the devil, Satan. Uh, we find this, this idea, this desire in created beings to go higher, not satisfied with who they are or their role or where they're placed uh, in creative order or in their uh, creative existence. And so what do we see happen? Every time man desires to go higher, there's always rebellion at the root. Adam and Eve did it, reaching for the fruit 
They ate of it. Rebellion. We find that that one act amongst other acts in the early chapters of Genesis lead to the world becoming so corrupt and so evil that God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, repents about creating mankind. He, it repenteth him that he created mankind. He regretted his decision to create our human race. What kind of world was that? Well, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. If you want to get an idea of what the world was like in the days of Noah, read your news today. See what they're uh, putting into society today. See what the world mindset is today. The world today is becoming more and more like it was in the days of Noah. And so we find that God destroys the world with a flood. And we find that after that happens, the command is be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and, and do what uh, Adam and Eve were supposed to do. And in that time, between Genesis 9 and Genesis 11, we find that mankind, even though the human race had been spared, rebellion was still in the heart of man. This aspect in our human makeup ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we just want to go higher. We want to reach higher. I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost right now that I'm praying that the Lord will open our understanding to what God desires of us. Man desires to reach higher. And so uh, we find Nimrod. He was really the first dictator of the world. He was the first type of the Antichrist. He was seeking to establish a one world order, if you will. And Babel is where it comes onto the scene. They, the human race, was told, if you'll stick with me, we'll get to the point in just a moment. They were told to fill the earth. But after the flood, as the world it begins to be filled with humanity again, they want to stay in one place. And they go east, the plains of Shinar. And they want to build a city. It says, let us build us a city and a name and a tower that reaches into the heaven. Lest, that word lest means for fear that. We need to build a city and we need to make us a name. And we need to build us a tower that reaches into the heavens. Because if we don't, we're afraid we're going to be scattered all over the earth. Go read your Bible. That's what it says. They were afraid of being scattered. God commanded them to scatter, to spread out and replenish the earth. Babel is an act of direct disobedience and defiance in the face of God. When it says that Nimrod withstood God to his face, it means he shook his fist in God's face and said, we're going to build us a city. And we're going to build a tower. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. You want to see, does Babel still exist? Yes. That first city was the beginning of this thread 
of nations and cities that appear all throughout Scripture, known as as Babylon. And we find it even in the book of Revelation, Babylon. It's this spirit that moves to and fro from city to city, working through people in groups that will uh, yield to this mindset and this spirit it preys on the pride of humanity and the rebellion that is in man's heart and it causes man to aspire to go higher you want to see what 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 is that you look at any major city and every major city has a tower you can see san francisco's tower all over the bay why did they do that did they need the floor space probably not There's something in man. We want to build something so that people can see it from miles around. You look at any major city, and any major city has a tower that they're known for. We find it didn't just stop with Babel, but when the languages were formed in Genesis 11... And groups began to speak different languages. They scattered. And all that did was stop them from accomplishing what they wanted to do then. But they scattered and began to build many Babels all over the world. And man has constantly had this nature to go higher. The high place. This tower that reaches into the heavens. We can access God. We can access the heavens our own way. We can access the spiritual realm on our terms because of something we've built. Man's idea of an altar is his tower that he can construct and build that accesses something higher than himself through his own wisdom and ingenuity and ability. That's not who we're to be. You see, every high place in the Old Testament was to be destroyed and then dedicated to God. High place. Now, what we find here is that in any land where a high place is, there will be a battle, if you will, between the influences of false gods and the one true God. Wherever there's a high place, it it was literal in the natural, and it's the same in the spiritual. Any place in the world that is looked to as a world-influencing place, you better believe that there is a battle between the influences of false gods And the attempt and will of the one true God to possess that high place. We find in the Old Testament, anytime God sent his people to the high place to destroy it and they obeyed, they succeeded. They won. As long as they did what God told them to do. What we need to understand in this hour is that we, as the people of God, we don't live. In Topeka, Kansas, 
not to offend our Kansas friends. We don't live in Montana. We live in an area that is directly connected and responsible for impacting the planet. This Bay Area in which we live is known for creating things and on a mission to create things that will cause mankind to go higher, to reach for things that if we were really meant to reach them, we would have been created with the ability to reach them. There's nothing in this book that says we need to look for life on Mars. And when people begin to pursue after those things, there is something in them that is seeking to access something on their own terms. It is recorded. Elon Musk wants to preserve human life. Jeff Bezos wants to preserve human life. There's something in influential, powerful people in our day that want to preserve human life, but they want to do it their way. There's only one way ever recorded that is proven to be true to preserve human life, and it is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I know you believe that today, but we live in an area that it, it's very, it's very uh, 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 economy, it's very business drive is built on this idea of human wisdom and human ingenuity and ability in an effort to push the, the, the bar on, uh, on what we can accomplish. And even though it is impressive, there is something behind it that's saying, we don't need God. We don't need God. We can do it our way. We can do it with this brain. Who gave you that brain? What, and then once again, I know you and I know that. I know you and I believe that in theory. But what I'm calling us back to today is I'm calling us back to the revelation of whoever owns the high place owns the land. What does that mean? There is a spiritual high place in this region that the people of God are called to possess, called to destroy the influences of false gods and establish something in the spirit that influences this region and causes people to see that there is a God amongst those people that is greater than any human leader, that is greater than any false god we worship. That's the will of God. That is what God has called his people to do in any place he puts them. 
We are to possess the high place. There will be no revival until we possess the high place. There will be no uh, uh, victory through the land, if you will, until we possess the high place. And this high place in the spirit cannot be possessed without high praise. It cannot be possessed without deep prayer. It cannot be possessed without first us throwing down the things in that high place and stripping it of all appearance and influence of false gods. And then building an altar where our influence isn't on it. We just build it unto God. Those altars were not pretty. You and I are a high place because the high place on us is right here. Where does, where does influence begin to take place? It takes place in our mind. It takes place in our thoughts, the high place of our mind. What does that mean? When we lift ourselves up in pride, our high place is being lifted up. There's an altar in our mind that is no longer an altar to the one true God. And you can always tell when there's another altar being built in someone's mind. One of the first things to go is praise because they're no longer praising God. They're praising and worshiping and serving something else. You can always tell when there's an outward influence that's influencing the mind because the appearance changes. Now all of this works together with this. There has got to be an absolute conviction in the minds of God's people that the God that they serve is greater, better than any false God. But there is something that reminds us of that, and it's praise. We feel the influences around us in the area in which we live. But there's two things that feed that. One, we embrace those influences and we give ourselves to them. And we entertain things that seek to build their altar in our mind. But then there's another aspect of it that the enemy will war against God's people who are actually committed to doing something where they are. You see, I understand that we are uh, first and foremost to live a life pleasing to God and work out our own salvation. But if we, if we settle for maintenance mode, we will end up dying. Because we are a part of the body of Christ. And the less we move our physical body, the more stiff and sickly we get. The body was meant to move. 
in the natural. So it is in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is meant to move and advance. If we try to simply keep who we've got, we'll lose who we've got. It happens every single time. So with all of this in mind then, we see that this high praise in the high place, it starts with our mouth over and over again, over and over and over again throughout Scripture. The mouth is referenced in praise and in prayer and expression of faith. If you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth. The word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Let the high praises of God be in thy mouth. And then it says a two-edged sword in their hand. It's as if the sword appears after the high praise leaves their mouth. A two-edged sword in their hand. Spiritually speaking, what is this? That's the word of God. That's the word of God. And a sword is a weapon that cuts and removes. High praise for the high place is this. We can't, we're not allowed to be just any old church. Because we're in a place that is a high place in this world. Whether or not you believe that, that's up to you. I'm telling you, though, this is true. This is the case. This is the reality of where we are and who we are. We face things that not every other church in the world faces. There are uh, churches that are facing things around the world that are much worse than what we can imagine. We're still allowed to gather freely, praise God. We're still allowed to have all sorts of freedoms that I'm thankful for. But I'm telling you, the battle we fight in this area more than anything else is in the mind, the high place. It's where the enemy will speak his words of pride. And if you allow those words to take root in your mind, you will begin to act out in pride and rebellion. And we think we can build our altars our way. But what God said all throughout scripture is get to that high place, remove every influence of every false God, and build an ugly altar to me without your influence on it, without your opinions on it, without your ingenuity and wisdom in it. Just build it right there, and that is going to be mine. What is that? Well, that's why praise, it's weird. Just in a room worshiping a God we don't see. To the carnal mind, that's weird. Dancing. And, and typically, you know, when people dance and music's playing, they're kind of dancing to a band that they've kind of deified a little bit. But we don't worship these people. That's why if, if looking at them distracts you from worship, look up. Look up. Lift your eyes up to heaven and begin to focus on God. But the battle that we will face until Jesus returns, the battle we face in this area, it's in the mind. It's in the mind. And we as the people of God have to constantly remember that high praise has to be offered up unto God. 
with our mouth, with every way the Bible commands us to. And when we come into this place and gather, we don't need to forget what God has done. He's doing a new thing in your life every day. And even if you don't see what he's doing now, that just means he's working quietly in the dark. The evening and the morning were the first day, the second day, the third day. It's always dark before it's dawn. But in the darkness of the early morning, it's still a new day. Day. I'm telling you what, even in this message today, God is trying to do a new thing in you to cause your mindset to be renewed and transformed. Strip down the high place of pride. Strip down the high place of your mind with any influence of any false God. Strip it down and build an altar to me where I can be the one true God of your life. The Lord seeks to do a new thing in every single person to work out something in them where they are a living sacrifice unto God. To the world, it looks weird. It looks plain. It looks simple. It does. It's not. It, man's hands and influence isn't on it. That why 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 is this the way you do? The, why do you pray that way? Why do you worship that way? Why do you live your life that way? because I am dedicated to God and I am resolute in not allowing any influence of the enemy of any false God to get in here. Now that sounds like it's, I'm almost done, but that sounds like that's the case in every church, right? Around the world. Yes, that is what we're supposed to do. But what I'm telling you today is the enemy hasn't set up a headquarters in Topeka, Kansas. I can't, I'm not picking on them, but I'm telling you, open up our eyes and see. There are specific areas in the world that are key places that are being used and that are really dedicated to exalting man above God. New York City's one of them. San Francisco's one of them. L.A. is one of them. Hollywood Boulevard, one of the theaters where they all gather, there's, there's a courtyard there called Babylon. You know, we say, oh, you're reading too much into it. No, I'm not. I'm literally reading what it says. The enemy and in, in the influence of false gods is not something that is discreet and hidden. It's very plain and simple in, in our face. And I'm calling the people of God today to remember who you are and whose you are. And we praise only one God, and his name is Jesus. We pray to only one God, and his name is Jesus. I will bless the Lord at all times, and there is no any influence of the enemy that will steal my praise I will sing a new song to him because he's doing a new thing in my life and when the enemy comes against my mind I will not be silent I will not cower in a corner but I will open my mouth and I will let the high praise of God come from my mouth you know what the high praise is it's real simple hallelujah we were singing it before it's a high praise to God hallelujah hallelujah Jesus Jesus 
You, O oh Lord, are worthy above all things. You are worthy above my sickness. You are worthy above my distress and discouragement and worry and fear. Whatever is in your spirit today that is warring for the high place of your mind, if you will make up in your mind today, you're going to give high praise to the Lord. There can be a work in the spirit in your life today day where that mindset of yours is renewed and you are dedicated to the Lord. So when we gather together, when we, when we worship God, when we pray, it's not something simply that we do to lift him up. But I want you to understand, every time we gather in this place or every time you start your day in praise and worship and we come into this place and we lift up the name of Jesus, I'm trying to get through to a mindset today to push past tradition and just kind of how we feel and we'll do it if we feel like it. I'm trying to open up our understanding to this revelation today. It's very simple. When we come in with our mind made up that we're going to lift Jesus up no matter what, we automatically tear down the enemies. Every single time. My wife and I, the past day, feeling some heaviness about some things. I don't know why. Just were. It just kind of creeped in. Woke up this morning. I felt it. All of a sudden, I just began to sing two simple lines to the Lord in praise. And as I continually chose to praise God and not give in to the heaviness in my spirit, it was within 30 seconds, maybe 60, that the heaviness was gone. I'm calling people, the people of God today, to understand if you will simply lift him up, the altars and influence of the enemy will be torn down. Every single time. If you will simply lift him up, the influence of the enemy will be torn down every single time. There's no devil that's going to hold back my praise. And there's no person that's going to hold back my praise. If you're not praising, that's your business. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to lift him up higher and higher and higher because he belongs on the high place and if a church doesn't believe that how do we expect to get the high place in this region how do we expect to have revival in that city out there if we have to be reminded week in and week out that Jesus is worthy of our praise I've come today to call us back to the high place and to tear down some influences of the enemy and to tear down the altar that we've built that we've tried to make it pretty and proper and appropriate and to build an altar that is ugly to the natural mind but is beautiful to God's mind. Our worship isn't meant to be pretty. Our worship is meant to be pleasing to God. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Praise him in the dance. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Be undignified with your worship because that is what is pleasing to God. It's ugly to the natural mind, but it's beautiful to God.
Oh, why don't we lift him up in this house for a moment? It's high praise. It comes from our mouth. It comes from our hallelujah. In spite of what I'm going through, hallelujah anyhow. In spite of the pain in my body, hallelujah anyhow. In spite of my spouse treating me a certain way, hallelujah anyhow. My family may not be living for God, but hallelujah anyhow. This world may be going to hell in a handbasket, but hallelujah anyhow. Is there a church in this place, in this Bay Area, that in spite of everything the enemy tries to bring against us, God is going to get my high praise, my best praise. There is no enemy that's going to lie to my mind. There is no influence of any false God that's going to steal my worship. Lift him up in this house for a moment. Push for a moment. Worship the Lord and break through. With your mindset, lift him up and watch the influence of the enemy be torn down.